0: Got more than two stars, doing that for the situation, two shots. And though the road is rocky, I'm making to try. The next mile, to break sight to the blind man. It's down to the left child. We wouldn't survive in this country Swimming through the waters of bottom line like a rebel fish. Joggle is specialist, predatory survivalist, Spinning hell, fire pumping flippers, birds lady, driver.
1: Welcome, listeners, to time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, New Media for the New Millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people, will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Thought I get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to time for which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradio.network.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Also you can go to a BB to me.com. That's a B I B I T U M I.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream running there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And then at TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you have Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening Radio program with the live stream or the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com dot com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. And that Facebook search engine, just type in time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for An Awakening Media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for Awakening media, interesting articles that you can read down at later times and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for Awakening Pro- Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address broad. It's Time for An Awakening.com. Time for an awakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 706 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, blustery uh, Sunday evening, and we're we're in the Sunday edition of Time for An Awakening, our guest this evening in conversation, activists, organizers, and joint leaders of Encobra Philadelphia chapter, Sister Brianna Moore. And Brother Rashawn Williams will be joining us in conversation to talk about their insights and perspectives on uh, our moves as a people to obtain full repair and their shared vision for the ENCOBRA Philadelphia chapter. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
2: Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters,
3: our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs>
2: Everybody is here. You are listening to Time For An Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com.
4: 58852444 that number is 2158852444 2158852444 all insurance incorporated
1: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 7-Eleven here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum in Philadelphia, here at Seventh 17th Street, Brother Richard with us, Brother Richard.
5: Yes, sir, Brother elliot How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Yes, like you said, it's chilly outside. You know, and you know what that means for Brother Man. <laughs> you know.
1: Uh, were you all at the um the uh cemetery today?
5: Well I not that I did a tour for um I did a tour today so I was like outside but it was for um Christ church there the is that the Episcopals in 2006, and I think I mentioned before, they recognized their involvement um, in slavery. And so they put on a long um, search throughout the di- uh, di- diocese to um, determine how their, each, each um, diocese, what was their involvement in slavery. And Christ Church, which was the Church of England, um, being a major of the Anglican, you know, and also a major, um, had major constituents of that church were the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And um, so they're, they're trying to do a, um, trying to get how do, how do they reconcile and they're calling in people like us to help in, um develop our perspective of the African presence during their early stage. So I was, walking and this today was dealing with Ben Franklin. So I got to read Ben Franklin's um, piece about how he wanted this to be a white nation, <laughs> uh, you know, so, which was interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, they won't have to do too much searching to find out their involvement in the enslavement <laughs> of our ancestors. They, they ain't got it. They ain't got to do no heavy digging no, right on know, the surface.
5: And, 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 and I, I'll hold because, you know, and I, and I say that because, and our our guests tonight um, in dealing with NCOBRA and dealing with reparations and dealing with Philadelphia, um, it's critical and important to be able to get the historical narrative of Africans in Philadelphia as it relates to enslavement um, in order to make uh, our particular case of of what kind of harm has occurred and institutions, not just financial institutions, but how um, institutions like uh, a church or churches um, were involved and the type of harm they've created by the displacement, being involved with their members, with displacement and um, cultural erasure and other things that um, have a a long-lasting impact, um, whether we acknowledge it um, no matter when we came into Philadelphia, but as a part of the history and culture of Philadelphia, along with the building and development and institution building um, that occurred in Philadelphia um, as a re, as a uh, response to um, being placed in a new environment.
1: Well, listen, uh, the the program that we do, Richard. You know, we always try to so- showcase uh, whether it be uh, college professors on some of these campuses, uh, authors of books talking about our struggles here. And I kind of love to showcase uh, grassroots activists from all around the country that we've had on the program, talking about the involvement, uh, the struggle of our people in their areas, and the things that they're doing to make a difference. Uh, Tonight's guest is no different. Uh, It's been uh, leadership that have been in the NACOBA chapter since it was founded uh, back during the time when you were involved, Richard. In mm-hmm. uh, the uh, the foundation of the, the group here, and I guess this evening, uh, is the new female and male co-chairs of the Incorporate Chapter here in Philadelphia, uh, Sister Brianna Moore and Brother Rashawn Williams. I don't know whether Sister Brianna is with us yet, but it looks like Brother Rashawn is here. Let's go to Brother Rashawn. Hey peace and love everybody. Uh sister
8: Bree is a little under the weather. Okay. So she, she won't be uh in with us today, but I hope I hope that she's listening.
1: Yeah, if she's listening, maybe she'll send you some text messages and uh and you could kind of put forth her thoughts, uh, brother Rashid. <laughs> right. right. Right, right. Peace and love to everybody. Right. Hey, appreciate you being here. Brother Rashad, before we kind of get into uh some of the things that's going on and uh in your activities since you have taken over as a male co chair, uh, talk about yourself and uh what have brought you to this point where you're the uh uh in leadership, you and sister Brianna of the uh in Cobra chapter here in Philadelphia. So um it's
8: interesting that uh first of all I want to thank you all for inviting us to the show, having us speak, being able to share our voices, our thoughts, our perspectives. Um, Don't take that for granted. So thank you. Um, I was really honestly doing a little search for my own history and peoplehood in a way that was actually going to speak to my spirit. So the, the long story made short is that I wanted to do a DJ as well. Um, I wanted to do an event that was focused on black people as a DJ and was a little afraid to do it. But once I got a little more comfortable with it, um, it woke me up and made me become more aware to reparations, reparations as a discussion and reparations as something that I could see a legislature saying that they're giving to people and them not really legitimately giving them reparations. Um, and it kind of got me excited. It kind of made me say to myself, I want to do something about this. I think that I have a good perspective on what reparations really is. So I just wrote up a little petition myself. I brought up a little petition, um, put together a little agenda with some agenda items and went around and gathered a a lot of signatures before I was introduced to Brother Ari, reintroduced to Brother Ari, who was co-chairing the Philadelphia Chapter of in Cobra at that time. Um, Sister Brianna and myself had been friends for some years. She had spoken to me about some of the things that she believed in and what she was doing at school, and uh, she was the perfect person to give a call to ask if she would like to be co-chair with me of the Philadelphia Chapter to which he said yes and here we are so that's the little short story of how we've come to this point of not only being interested in reparations but being a part of the Philadelphia chapter of the Cobra
1: brother Sean you and sister Brianna is is uh have taken up the baton or, or the baton was passed to you to be in a long line of of our people and uh, a lot of them are ancestors now, and and been and been ancestors for maybe hundreds of years, but a long line of people that have been involved in this struggle. Um, talk talk about it from from a perspective of um, of of yourself being involved in this, and the challenge of trying to get uh, young people, uh, people your age bracket. Uh, uh people younger now you know what i i and let me kind of preface it by saying I don't know the uh the letters that they put on it whether you're a millennial or what is that right, what right. is that what is that they what do they call that yeah, or, they, they, or they, call, they call us millennials.
8: they call us millennials. okay
1: and yeah and, and what's that? that and the, what is that generation Z or whatever yeah all of that new stuff okay now because it, it's a challenge there tr- trying to get our people involved. Uh, And especially, listen, it's a challenge getting older folks involved.
8: I was just going to say that. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, but Uh just talk about it from your perspective of just being a young person yourself in this position. uh, Your peers and, and, and maybe younger than you seeing you in this position and trying to appeal to their mind about the importance of the work that you're doing and what we need to do as a people.
8: I think that I'm not just, I might say a lot at one time. Um, I think that some of the things that we face and experience is uh, fatigue and information overload, uh, not necessarily knowing how to navigate a system without engaging or supporting these systems, trying to be financially secure, financially stable um, while doing this lifestyle work, understanding that this work is a lifestyle. And not a job or a hobby, knowing that the spiritual currency is what pays you and not the fiscal dollars for the kind of work that you'll be doing, knowing that much of the work that you're doing is extremely critical and your think, it, it requires extreme critical thinking and problem solving and iteration and innovation and development and redevelopment um, and action, communication, personability. Um, politically correctness when you're speaking to specific constituents. I think that it takes so many things that it's hard for people to actually get their minds around actually doing and applying. Um, and then being, um, being socially accepted and acceptable. i also say that, you know, there's been an intentional mockery of people in the conscious community, people in the quote unquote woke community. Uh, people were in the quote-unquote ho community, uh, where to be a ho is almost to be um, a negative thing. To be a, uh, a woke person is a negative thing. To be a, in the conscious community, people don't. Before, we knew what all of these things meant. Before, these things became mainstreamed, uh, where audiences and communities outside of these communities um, got wind of what these words were and what they meant and who they spoke to. Uh, the demographic that was a part of it we all knew what these things meant and we operated it in that ecosystem um but to this to this point excuse me there's been like i would say an intentional uh defamation of those types of characters so that to the point that folks don't know how to even socially identify with really being a pan-african in a certain kind of way to really being pro-black from a pan-African nationalist perspective um, in a certain kind of way. Academia hasn't done a good job of supporting folks to be pro-black in the specific way that it doesn't allude to being pro-black in arts and literature like we tend to find most people being today. Uh, but being pro-black in a, um, in a national, sovereign, self-determined perspective, as many of our ancestors have laid out before us. And the last thing that I'll say to this point is that even when looking at academia versus business and entrepreneurship, um, a lot of folks understand that capitalism is something that negates some of the perspectives and opinions that we have. And folks are often caught between having to choose between being entrepreneurial but i think that there's just so many nuances that people get caught up on or hung up on and um if the spirit isn't there and the will isn't there to figure out the best ways to navigate all of these structures um to get some of these these hiccups and that's not even that's not even talking to the distraction of social media and the attention span that most of our generation has at this point that's not even to mention those things that's just to mention the specific social um qualities that have kind of had folks differ from this kind of work but i don't think that it's any different for young people than it is older folks because the conversations that i have with older folks sound the same uh, in a lot of ways uh that they do when i have with younger folks but These things are just challenges for me to see if I really want it, to be honest. If I really want to do this work, the more people I meet and they say no or they're afraid or they're intimidated or they seem hesitant, all of these things are ways that the universe really asks you whether or not you really want what you want and challenges you to make sure that you're doing what you need to do the right way or a better way.
1: Brother Sean, before I pass it to Richard, because some of the things that you just mentioned, uh, me and Rich was talking about this uh, maybe an hour ago, and and I want him to kind of uh, throw some of his questions and why it's fresh in his mind. But let me go back to something that you mentioned when you first started talking, um, and you talked about the, the conscious community and and uh, uh, you know the, the Hotep community. You hear people talking in negative fashions in some circles uh those narratives um and thinking critically where are they coming from because if you look back at the period of the civil rights era and just use that as an example all of those figures during that period uh Kwame Ture Malcolm uh even men that was killed early in, in that uh that decade uh, mega Uh, uh, even Martin especially the later years of his life all of those men were very conscious and very nationalist even Martin near the end of his life so how does it get to the point now from your perspective that some of these ideals is frowned upon where is that coming from well At first,
8: um, I began to realize and recognize, particularly with the hotel, the used to the work. The, the, so, all right, let me let me just take a step back. There's a difference between somebody that's woke, somebody that's conscious, and somebody that's a hotel. We know that, but even if we don't know it explicitly, uh, somebody who's woke is someone who understands the neo-colonialist globalist structures of the world that's a woke person okay and they got a little bit of environmental justice with them too somebody that's conscious is somebody who is really into the spiritual implications of all of these things and make sure that they maintain a certain level of metaphysical awareness to some of these social structures, the political structures that we speak to. Somebody that's woke, they may not get all that deep with the metaphysics, somebody that's conscious is. A hotep hotep is somebody who's gonna bring it and anchor their wokeness and their consciousness to a particular African pedagogy. That's a hotep, so there's either three levels. Um, With members of the hotep community who gotta hold a Facebook, They began to say some things that don't comport with our understanding of science as it relates to what people are and are not physically able to do and some elements and aspects of how the universe works based on their personal common sense. And these folks were elevated and highlighted as representatives of the whole tech community by folks Black, by Black people who would, of course, disagree with them because their science is based on their personal narrative and not based on real or, quote-unquote, actual science. And so that's how elements of the, word, the use of the word hotep became, became a negative-leaning word. Oh, you a hotep, meaning, like, oh, you're one of those people that's gone come up with your own science to justify your own bias okay um with wokeness uh wokeness allowed for white people and black people to participate in conversations where they can speak to certain things um around what's going on in the world and particularly for black people i would say Wokeness became one of those things like, ah, you woke, but it doesn't really mean that you're going to garner any action. So wokeness became one of those things where I'm just going to listen to somebody talk because they're woke or or provide some awesome liberal suggestions that are not actually suitable or functional or or financially stable or any of these things. They don't live in reality, The, the solutions that they have. For these ecosystems that we're trying to navigate. Um, and then consciousness just falls right in between those things. And that's where folks then begin to, I guess, speak to consciousness like, yeah, well, everybody's consciousness is different. Um, so as these nuances have occurred and have arrived, uh, to me in particular, I feel like, and i I don't mind having this conversation with anybody well I do mind having this conversation with a lot of people because um I don't really like to speak to academics um intellectual academics who 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 follow the white patriarchal structure, not knowing that they are but school <laughs> college colleges would colleges would poof college did a work on a lot of people uh I was in college for a year and a couple of weeks. And then once I realized that this wasn't it, I was out. You know, I was out immediately. Um, <clears throat> had a wake up moment like, OK, let me leave today. Um, and the reason why I said it is because as we can see over time, colleges and universities have really created a graduate class of folks that have certain principles, thoughts, ideologies, and perspectives that are more artistically facing to freedom and liberation. They're more socially driven than they are civically driven. They're more socially driven than they are uh, socially, economically, so socioeconomically driven. Um, you don't really hear folks coming out of the university space and the college space actually following specific and particular Pan African practices that are rooted in Pan African beliefs today. For example, I'm gonna say this it's gonna it's gonna offend people, but you know everybody ain't for everything. Um, we can be, and we can also not necessarily agree to be to, to disagree but not be disagreeable we may disagree but we don't have to be disagreeable so this is to the future folks that's listening and the folks that's listening listening that um you got folks that would like sister shaharazad and certain brothers that speak to the miseducation of black men and everything that they were saying they were predicting this particular future before it existed yeah you could you could watch some youtube videos and clips of them speaking and the things that they were saying in the the 70s and 80s is exactly to the T. It's almost like worse than what they depicted it becoming if we continue to follow this particular structures. A lot of folks that are coming out of schools and colleges and universities who are quote unquote pro-Black and pro-Pan-African will hear those folks and have a little cognitive dissonance to what they're saying because that's what the school system does and I want folks who are smart enough to read between the lines to know what I'm talking about
1: (laughs) Brother Rashawn um, Uh before I pass that mic to Richard you mentioned also uh, about the fear when you go out and talk to uh, older folks and younger folks the apprehension and fear to get involved with certain things to critically discuss certain subjects, Um, that fear, that apprehension, uh, I clearly believe and understand that it's still uh, remnants of a slave culture in the minds of our people where we don't want to talk about certain things because the fear of offending Europeans. Europeans. Uh that's one of the challenges as the as an activist and uh the the uh male of and cobra that you will be running into is the fear and then some people that will act on that fear to openly fight against some of the ideals that you're proposing but that's just something I'm throwing out there that'll come up again in the conversation as we go forward but uh, richard jump jump in jump in here, cause I know you had some things that uh, kind of dealt directly with what uh, brother sean was talking about
9: yeah and
5: and, and in the meantime and, and I also want to thank you um you know um for making a commitment um to move the reparations um um what's that the state of reparations the repair um, forward um and i'm i'm right now i i i heard you say that you 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 were a I don't know, was a DJ or was you know, um, doing doing the, you know the the service of providing that, that kind of skill and um, as a DJ. And I was wondering, as I was listening, um, one is that would we consider a DJ a communicator, and is there now being in the position of the co-chair of Encobra, is there a difference in the communication? necessary um and being in a in a organizational position um from being a dj who's communicating and is the audience different um in relationship to whether that audience that that was coming to hear um you know in the service you were providing would they be interested in reparations as a ideal or as a policy um um Compared to the audience that you have to communicate to in order to, um, uh, uh, to make sh- to build a, a broader constituency of, of for reparation as a um, process and a policy, is there is, is the communication skills different um, based off of that? And is a DJ a communicator?
8: Yeah. So the language the, a DJ is communicator. The language is different um the audience is the same the show uh might require different a different hue a different you know um you asked this very artistically and i'm gonna answer it very artistically and i'm gonna answer it uh uh very mathematically i'm gonna do both i'm gonna answer it twice so if you watch um one of those like Uh, black sitcoms, right? There's an actual coloring. There's an actual, like, camera speed. You know, if you want to look at Martin or Living Single, you know, they actually have a certain hue when you watch them versus watching a, what are those dramas, right? The color is a certain, it's a certain color to it. It's a certain, um, there's a certain, uh, the way that the audio comes through. All of these things are different. Um, but I actually want to say, imagine if you had the same characters uh, doing the same role or the same script, where maybe in the drama area, drama element of watching live and single, you wouldn't have a background audience laugh. Or maybe the music would be different after a punchline so that the punchline is a little deeper, cuts a little deeper, it's so a little more sad. The reason why i'm saying it is because um you can have the same conversations with folks but they just want to see it in a certain way that actually makes sense to what their saturday night programming is um as a dj you know I, i i can do that it requires a lot of work to have to speak to people in the ways that make sense to them versus me being just like them and speaking to them in a way that works for me, but that's the role of a leader and an organizer and a facilitator and all of these different things. Um, so as a, as a communicator through the arts, folks who are in the world of the arts spend most of their time, particularly black artists, uh, using their art as a form of freedom, expression, liberation, and emancipation from the systems that we're in. Um, being pro-black, celebrating their blackness, celebrating their heritage and their history is where their relationship to art allows that freedom to exist, that joy to exist, that form of revolution to exist. Uh, But there's a certain part of the brain that you actually need to access when it's time to do it, when it's actually time to engage the legislature, when it's actually time to, uh, figure out and think about how you need to organize for your people and your peoplehood, whether that be making sure that you can have functional agriculture and distribution of those of, of that produce, whether that means looking at how schools need to comport with the school district's version of what education is, and then figuring out a way to actually fight against that system um, and having the willpower to do it. It requires a different part of the brain and a different part of the body that sometimes artists sometimes artists don't have the practice in And it's not that they don't have the skill, but if they don't have the practice, then it's not something that they could pull into um, muscle memory when it's time to do what you got to do immediately. And the folks who are operating and navigating the corporate realm or the working class, they work too much, you know, and work has been intentionally designed for them to only have time to work. So even having time to think about revolution when, you can't even go to the bank account, but one day out of the week, and when you do, the line is so long because everybody's in the same rat race schedule, and the bank on close at five o'clock, which means that immediately after you get out of work, which is four o'clock, you don't have you don't have time to do anything when you're in the working class, let alone think. So, um, as an organizer and as a DJ, yeah, I could provide experiences where on a Saturday night or on a Friday night, folks can actually go to the bar, get them some wine, listen to some spoken word, and i play a song that's relevant to what that poet just got finished doing, while well, it gives you the idea and the fantasy and the dream and the joy and the laughter of freedom, because that black poet just gave you what you needed in an imaginative realm. But that doesn't mean that I'm gonna spend my Saturday morning fighting for justice and fighting for my peoplehood, because that Saturday morning is just figuring out how I'm gonna get myself together based on that Friday night. Um, these are some of the challenges that we face as organizers as communicators as lovers of our people it requires a lot of patience and understanding that we are our people too um, so to the best of my ability in answering that question i try my best to, to remember that i am the people well, not even to remember i know that i'm the people um, but not try to get too um i don't want to say excited but overwhelming like overwhelming with what we can do if we pull ourselves out of the out of the um i don't know the the cloud that's over us Uh, because i navigate all of these things that i said on a regular basis and i wish i could give more i wish at a poetry show or at a dance battle that I'm breaking, I wish I could give more than just what I'm giving when I'm DJing. And I wish that when I'm speaking to folks and it's more of an intellectually based conversation or politically based conversation, I wish they could see the joy and the power and the empowerment that we have in the realm of the arts so that some of that energy can flow into some of our intellectual discourse. but it's a process. I'm learning the best way to do it, just as much as folks are learning the best way that they could be fully competent and functional in society as it is, while fighting for their peoplehood
5: and their rights. So. And, and, and the, one of the, I was going to ask another question, but to to the, the point that you're as you close and defining the, the um, answering the you know the question that I asked, and I appreciate your response. Um, now you're in a you're in an organization, um, an organization that has a, a, a history, you know, that's um, national, um, international, but it has a specific goal, um, go, you know, governmental um, and local. Um, and I guess what I'm asking, what I ask, which maybe the listening audience don't know, how long have y'all been co chairs? And to date, what have you learned um, in being the leader of an organization um, that is engaged in? Uh, national state local politics um what have you learned up to date um in dealing with the local philadelphia interaction for for um as a leader of this organization and in trying to set direction for this organization since you're um learning and and newly um elected selected to be the leader of, of one of the co-chairs of this organization of Encobra. What have you learned to date so far, if anything?
8: We spent about a year um, behind the scenes just figuring things out. During the time period, we were doing a lot of work um, for Encobra internally. September 2022 is when we were asked to be co-chairs and nominated in you know, voted on and duly elected, um, joined in about August. The turnaround time was pretty fast because that's just where Philadelphia, Chevy, with the Philadelphia chapter of Cobra was with the legacy transfer. Um, what I've learned and not necessarily learned from, an, uh, uh, as an observant, which I knew before actually directly engaging in uh, this kind of like politics Situation, but it's kind of politic in this way. Um, but as a participant, as somebody who's got their hands in it, I learned that you know black people, black politicians in the city of Philadelphia, and if they listening now, if they're listening and later, yeah, I'm talking about you. Um, even though I was just with many of them yesterday, just with many of them yesterday, um, Busting it up, DJing for them actually. And at an event, an African and Caribbean business luncheon, to talk about the development of African Town in Southwest Philadelphia, which is going to be the first Africa town um, ever developed in the Western Hemisphere. That's just not like the United States, but in the Western Hemisphere, there's no Africa town. There's Chinese. There's all. There's towns for other things, but Philadelphia will have the first ever Africa town in the Western. Atmosphere. but i share that because
5: i mean I, I would i like to um i i don't know uh, to to the degree of the plan but um there are a few um africa towns um that are are operating and in development and we've had if i'm not mistaken ellie we probably have one or two yeah the- on the program i mean C- the- seattle has a large one
1: um yeah. you might not be familiar but the I'll pass you along some information on that Rochelle.
8: well, please do and i and I know that I think that what they were trying to say yesterday was that they have a banner or whatever or some some official municipal recognition or ordinance that's going to say that they're they're Africa towns mm-hmm. uh, that could be what they're trying to say, even though I know that to be true. Okay. Africa town.
5: Yeah, and I didn't um, want to distract you. I just wanted to...
8: You know, oh, just, no, no distraction at all. Um, anytime I need to be corrected, you get me back on track because I'm distracted. That's what that means.
5: So... Um, so. Um, in relationship to what you learned in, as far as the um, being in this mm-hmm. leadership position.
8: So politicians don't have a relationship to... Some of the things that we speak about, like Black nationalism, they might be pro-Black, yeah, sure, but to be a Black nationalist, you can, I can tell that their teachers aren't the same teachers as mine, or their spirit to Blackness isn't the same spirit to Blackness as mine. Because I can have a conversation with them, and with some folks, I'll say something and you can see them wake up to something you can see how their brain and spirit puts things together for them to inquire specific things for how to do something versus trying to figure out how something's going to be done. The big difference between trying to understand how to do something versus how something is going to be done. And then I'll speak to legislatures, legislators, and they'll talk about some of the things that I'm talking about with them. Like, they don't know how it's going to be done or what it's going to look like or how it's going to make sense. And I'm saying, well, y'all, 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 how come y'all, how come you, you, you have this, like, uh, blockage in your brain when it comes to your own people, but when it comes to whatever development that needs to happen for Temple University or University of Penn or that, that you know we don't really get that we don't really have that um <laughs> and, I, and i know that it's a little deeper because you know um and i'll just say this it, it, it's very nuanced because a black politician representing black people in the black population when black people may not have the economic base to support that politician when they may not have the voting constituency and numbers to keep that politician elected when they may not have the ability to reinforce some of the, some of that, uh, politicians statements because they don't have too much access to ma- to media or mainstream media or to sway the mainstream media. I understand the very vulnerable place that many black politicians are in. However, and I'm going to say this on the record, black politicians ain't even working with or- organizers and activists behind the scenes to try to get like the voter blocks up or try to develop some of those things that i'm speaking to and so i just learned that um being safe and being accepted among your socially and economically politically elevated peers is where most black politicians keep their orientation uh what i learned about organizations is that Um, When you take white people money to the extent that you're not, or anybody's money, to the extent that you're not able to engage in your own self-determination without constriction, restriction, or stipulation, um, you have to formulate a relationship with being dissonant in in your cognition to what freedom really is in order for you to comfortably look at yourself in the mirror um or this is just never who you are in the first place um a lot of folks in the scene they come out of nowhere uh, you know I'll call it like it is no actually I'm not I'm not you know certain things I don't have to say some activists you ain't never you ain't seen them a day in your life and then they created an Instagram account a year ago and if you look at the very beginning of their stuff you know they may have had like not that many people following them, but right now they might be verified uh, with a blue check on some of their social media accounts. That's because it's a lot of money behind activism. Um, to really, really articulate how some of that money is being funneled, and that's going to speak to some of these social systems and structures. What philanthropy often does, it's and, and of course I'm 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 speaking to how philanthropy is behind a lot of activism. It puts money into the artistic sector of urban and socially progressive slash liberal communities so that these artists organizers and activists can create an image of what freedom and liberation is supposed to look like where art is supposed to translate what real on the ground boots on the ground grassroots folks are doing just so that the art can provide a lane and avenue for people to try to say this is what they're doing and this is how they comport with what social justice really looks like. Taking them from that real on the ground, boots on the ground work. Mm-hmm. Um, philanthropy plays a great job in providing the, the, the rules, regulations, constrictions, the, the things that you have to agree to when you take certain dollars in order for you to do a racial equity project. And you got a lot of folks because activism doesn't pay, they go in that direction. They take that money and then they limit the amount of work that they can really do but put on a nice big show at the end of the year to make you really feel like they did something. There's another thing that I learned. And so your boy, I can't do either. I'm just not, I can't do either. Uh, so anybody who's listening and you support me for being authentic to it, the reason why you may not see me in a lot of places or spaces is because I'm just not taking money from folk that's not going to allow me to do the work. I'm not going to be around folks that's not really trying to do the work, trying to act like they're my friend. Um, I know how these systems work. I don't like to navigate these systems. And when I do, um, I'm making sure I'm getting from point A to point B as quickly as possible. So hopefully that answers the question of some of the things that I learned because that's just some of it. That's not even a whole.
5: And, and Elliot, I, I have two more
1: questions. No, no go ahead. I'm I'm, I'm learning, listening to me, Sean. Go
5: ahead. <laughs> Um, because um, uh, one thing I wanted, and when you were saying about being around politicians um, in Philadelphia, particularly, and being a newly elected leader of a, you know, organization for reparation, and um, HR 40 is where it is right now, and the um, congressional um, hopper, um, uh, do you have any, at this point, maybe, you you know, maybe not have been in this dialogue, but do you have any sense from any of the politicians that you have engaged with directly or indirectly of what their position from a politician from Philadelphia, what their position is around HR 40? Have, have right. you sense yeah. So that's my point. I was trying to be respectful uh,
8: <laughs> by saying that, cool the fact that the fact that they don't have a perspective on HR 40 really questions whether or not they really are for black people. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, This is the only, this is like, if you don't have an opinion or if you don't have a thought or a theory or your own agenda that you just got in the tuck and you was waiting for somebody to ask you so you could be excited to share about your feelings on liberations at HR 40, and you're a politician, then I'm a question, I'm a question whether or not you really care. And I don't mean care professionally, but like, I mean like your spirit is called to the freedom of, what do you say?
5: I say I'll say care professionally, but I Okay, speak. you
8: can say that. <laughs> um, whether or not your spirit is called to the true liberation and freedom and empowerment and health and wellness and self-determination of your people. And so, indirectly answering that question, many Black politicians don't have an opinion about H.R. Foodie. And when they talk about reparations, they have to actually think about what that means and then ask, well... Well, if it means this, then that means they ain't really been thinking about it. That means they ain't really been studying it. That means they haven't really had any communication with anybody for them to keep them up to date with what comports with international redress when a state has caused wrongs against a people. They ain't really, they ain't really got their finger on that kind of pulse. Um, so yeah, that's and, what I'm finding.
5: So, and, and and the the thought last. And, I, and I'm trying to figure out how to frame it you know when I personalize it um when when i was in, when we were involved in um in cobra you know in the era and I, I see and i really appreciate um those who you know the brothers and sisters and and members um of you know that that patch whether you call it past the torch whether you call it duly elected um that you know another generation i'm gonna call it of uh, of, and not generation and age, but generation and organizational movement. Um, another generation of, of, of individuals willing to take on this charge, as you described, um, with the kind of, um, understanding and, and, and foresight and, and experience that you're, you you and your co-chair is bringing to the table. Um, and when we were, um, involved, I would say that from an organizational perspective and I'm, I'm making this assessment now, we were probably in a um, propagandist mode in relationship to um, reparations, um, but propagandizing um, to the community in general um, that there is a not just a bill, but what reparations is. That's um, the organization, that was the organizational drive that we were from um, the local and COBRA that we were engaged in. And which makes me raise the question as, you know, uh, and now that y'all are in leadership of the organization, um, what, what direction you see is the best direction that you're carrying or the direction that, you know, in, that you're carrying in it? Is it from a propagandist perspective as it relates to um, whether it be um, in, reparations in general? Uh, reparations specifically as it relates to Philadelphia, um, or uh, reparations as as a as a part of healing. Are as, are you taking the organization, le- your leadership, from a propagandist perspective um, or a organizing perspective, and focusing specifically on HR forty? Um, what direction? What mood? Or do you see that y'all are engaged in in carrying the organization as organizational leaders um, in, within COBRA now at this stage as you assess um, what what Philadelphia needs to understand and how you need to interact with the Philadelphia community to to broaden its base of around reparations? Yeah. Um...
8: Yeah, HR40. Oh, I respect the fact that all of this work been put into it, but HR40, we talk, we keep talking about HR40 like I'm that's not, all we uh,
5: need. My concern no, is no,
8: no, no, no. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm you gonna answer know. you. Would,
5: answer all I'm not concerned about HR40 more than what's the organizational direction, more towards propagandizing or towards organizing. I think those are two different things when you're laying out your strategy and tactics. So, however.
8: I was Which, addressing HR, I'm gonna answer your question. I was addressing HR 40 to, like, every, every example that you give, I like to address so that I can, uh, give the conclusion, uh, in the artistic way, I guess, more or less, so that folks can follow. But I'll answer the question directly. Um, propaganda, no. Um, organizing for people to be officers in their own right or autonomy autonomous in their own right or leaders in their own right doers in their own right of the things that are going to replace the system is one two uh, and i'll explain that two is engaging the law and engaging the law in the ways that actually provide people with the case to practice their rights as god has given them the ability to do which are unalienable is number two and number three cultural unity so the first to speak to the first is um, we need to provide ourselves with the repair so if we say that we're going to teach the truth about X, Y, and Z, well, we need to have teachers on deck. The very moment that, you know, outside of just reparations being a check, because it's more than the check. um, Once we say, oh, we're gonna teach this true thing. Do we have enough teachers ready, staffed, you know, capable, practiced to replace the teachers that are not doing the job? Do we have that? We need to organize and build that. Do we have enough contractors, electricians, technicians database in an ecosystem for us to engage them when it comes to providing and administering our own services municipally or um, at a business level or whatever Do we have enough of these folks that we can call and access to replace the current systems that exist once we obtain the legal right, the lawful understanding uh, to writ that we should be doing what we need to do for ourselves that's one thing we need the database organize mobilize these folks um that all, that gets into the third part which is the cultural unity and the second part to that is that we have the right to do that we actually have the right if we wanted to and i'm gonna just say this we could just put a class action lawsuit on anybody we don't have to go through the route of hr 40 which is some of what i was going to say in the beginning we get we could actually just put a case out we could put notices out Um, There are a series of things that we can do to engage the legal process in a lawful way to practice our self-determination. It's just that we need the former and the latter. We need enough folks that can actually do those things. And we need to have the cultural unity in order for us to practice in harmony. And so our work, and maybe this is the work of our generation, to build those three things, to build a lawful practice, to build the organizational structure and infrastructure, and to build a cultural unity, so that we can be agreeable, even if we disagree.
5: That's a beautiful response. <laughs> wow,
1: you know, uh, I like what he, what uh, Rashawn said in the beginning, Richard, about uh, putting people in place to replace the system. You know, we've been talking about it constantly on this program. If this system falls tomorrow, next year, or two years from now, do we have capable leadership? To take our people in a different direction, not leadership with European mindset, uh, to propagate European values. Do we have enough people in place to move forward? You know, you, you said it better than I could have said it, Rashawn. That's why we need young people to move this, these things forward in every aspect, whether it's legal, whether it's activism, whether it's teaching whether this, you mentioned electrical and, 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 and the construction, tri- we need capable young people with the mind to move our people forward. I agree with everything you said. You said it more intelligently than I could say it. We're going to take a brief <laughs> break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. Please get involved and talk with this brother. You can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're in conversation with an activist organizer and, well, Sister Brianna, get well. uh, The joint co-chairs are supposed to
5: have you down now. (laughs) Do you want me to bring some soup?
1: (laughs) Brother Rashawn Wears is with us. We'll be right back.
11: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians,
0: and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding
12: area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Ibbtomi.com, Ibbtomi.tv, Ibbtomi.tv.com, mestore are here for you. You are ready to be free to join your global Commit to You Black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You Black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, mestore We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation.
2: in this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, The political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal, and white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political
11: football. Since the 60s, you will see nothing but betrayals by the petty bourgeois elements in our society. The African bourgeoisie is the most corrupt bourgeoisie in the world. In Africa... They seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on the blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self, using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Consequently, we, who have dedicated our lives to the people's struggle, we, who knowing that the people will always be free, we, understanding that we must make a contribution to qualify our struggle since the 60s, have been been dedicating all our energies to only one task, the organization of the masses of our people. We are not running for mayor. We're not running for president. No changes can come from the top down. We're not stupid. Changes can only come from the bottom up. The masses and the masses alone can make them. If you want to learn something from the 60s, the lesson is simple. Organize the masses of the people. Thank you. Take
13: it from me. Someday we'll all be
3: free. You're the one who put the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C., The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. When you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years. And there all other legislation they wanted to bring up. They brought it up and gotten it out of the way. And now they bring up you. And now they bring up you. You put them first and they put you last. Because you're a chump. A political chump. The party that you've passed. Control two thirds of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you because you're a chump. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two thirds of the government, and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time, and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your
14: race. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 813 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, uh, activist, organizer, and one of the co-chairs, the male co-chair of Incobra, Philadelphia chapter. Brother Rashawn Williams is with us in conversation this evening. His insights and perspectives and uh, interesting conversation. You can join this conversation by, doing, uh, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to 404 in Atlanta.
15: 404. Hey, hey, what's up, my lords Hey, hey, it's interesting my brother saying something about electricians, man. I'm a union electrician, IBW, man, 40-something years in the union. So what I did, man... Uh, uh, the cats. It's about five or six brothers that used to be my apprentice. Guess what they doing, Elliot Richard? They run and work now. They farmers. Okay, even one sister that used to be my apprentice is a farmer. About five or six of soldiers I got, man. Okay, and they shop, man. They shop. So it's interesting, my brother did say that, man. So I'm doing exactly what my man said, man. It's beautiful, man. I'm gonna leave it like that. And Richard, stay off for them Sweden damn websites, man. They telling on you, Richard. I, mean, I, I love y'all, man.
13: Later. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your contribution.
15: But anyway, man, that's what I'm doing with my brothers and my sisters, man. I'm grooming something. They, they sharp, bro. I love y'all. All right. Talk to
1: you. Let's go to 267. 267.
16: 267? Hey, good evening. Yeah, hey, good evening, uh, Elliot. Good evening, Richard. And I want to say good evening to your guests, brother. Thank you for your uh, your activism. You know, um, but I, I just got a call. I just had to call and let you know how I feel about the whole conversation about reparations. And I'm being honest as I can be. Uh, Conyers pushed that bill like in the 80s. And... uh you know, they pushed something through the house like twenty seventeen said they're gonna stu they they pushed it where they said they're gonna study a proposal for it. But you know, that's almost thirty years later, brother. And when I hear these conversations, it sort of discourages me. It's almost like somebody putting a carrot in our face and we just think we think that we're gonna get that carrot. Now I you know, and this is this is this is the way I'm looking at it. How are you going to go to your open enemy and ask him to repair you when he's your enemy? I mean, that's my whole, we, and like you said, we have to develop this thing ourselves. Now, I just heard a brother that got off. I myself tutor a lot of younger brothers and sisters. One brother is opening up his own school. He wants me to help him with it. He's calling it one nation. These things are not, out there in the open or whatever for or the media is not zooming in on the young folks that I know that are doing some positive things, but you know, the whole conversation, I hear what they said. Reparations is not only monetary. It's supposed to repair us. I'm saying if somebody has proven to us for a hundred years, they're our enemy. How in the hell we're going to write a bill to them? And then also be willing participants, just like Brother Malcolm just got off during the break, talk about your political chunk. We vote for this same party every year, and that party urinates in our face every year. Yeah, and I heard you talking about those brothers and sisters that are politicians. Oh, well, they know well, about well, restoration. I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I just want to say this, Elliot. Well, let, let know him answer. And then, well, no,
1: uh, you can still get your other points out, but let him okay. because you asked the All question. Right. Let him answer your, your All right, question. I'll let first question, uh, Brother John.
16: <clears throat> wait, what was his first question?
1: He said, uh, "Ask the question again, because you kind of." my first
16: question was how do we go to an open enemy and ask him to repair us
8: no so this the question is are we bold enough to provide a notice to the legislature that we are going to utilize our own instruments and currencies to have our own financial affairs to do our own business we're going to have our folks send notices internationally as well so that we can do the same so that if you were to impede upon our actions you would be violating our laws and our rights while placing a class action lawsuit so that we can get our just due and having all the claims and cases necessary in that lawsuit while engaging both that legislature and our own. To be honest That's what I, that's what, if we want reparations, that's what we need to do. The thing about it is that, are we bold enough or courageous enough to do that? Because I don't expect them to give us reparations. It doesn't even make sense for them to give us reparations. All we really need to do, all we really need them to do is stay out the way while we do what we need to do for ourselves. However, we need to provide the necessary um, legal notices and uh, publication, so that it's understood internationally that we're doing so and an encroachment upon our rights will be a continuation of these violations of our human rights. Um, but I'm saying this to say that is really about our ability to step up and do that, understand some of what I'm saying. Because as soon as I say, nah, we are just gonna do this and we're not gonna worry, we're not gonna pay taxes because we're not using their instruments for our own finances folks are going to be very afraid, very scared. They're not going to know how to do that. They're going to have this parts of their brain haven't actually been developed to even comprehend, let alone understand what I'm saying, let alone see what I'm saying, even if, unless I were to practice in front of them. And so um, I agree with you. And that's not the approach that um, I feel feel that this particular chapter of and is taken when it
16: comes to our repair.
8: <laughs> okay. okay. question
16: and, and, and yep. Now uh, you said you agree with me. Now, what about this, uh, this statement right here? We have to get out of these political parties and start our own, because if we continue to vote for this party that urinates in our faces year after year. Like I said, that, 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 HR 40, I'm just looking at it like it's a piece of paper right now. It's been there since almost 30 years ago. Matter of fact, it has been there over 30 years ago and they still haven't moved on it yet. You have these people coming across the border. that have not even paid any taxes getting bank loans that are guaranteed by the government. So they could do things if they wanted to. That just shows you they don't want to. And the thing about it, like, do are we courageous enough, bold enough to stick our middle fingers up to both political parties, become independent of both of them, and then when they see us making moves like that and they see us doing these things, then maybe they'll take us a little bit more serious. Because, like I said, right during the break, you heard Brother Malcolm, and that was in the 60s calling us political chumps so you know i i I just want to run that one past you what do you think about that move far as doing what we have to do um
8: if a party organization will be active only in state or local elections it does not need to register with the fec i'm on fec.gov the reason why i pulled that up is because It's important to know that you have a difference between the de jure and the de facto. You got the United States, you got the United States of America, you got the county of Philadelphia, you got the city of Philadelphia. And so if we were to create our own party, all we would need to do is demonstrate to ourselves that we have a moving body of individuals interested and mobilized for our efforts where we don't have to um, register with anything or any entity because we're operating at a local and state level. Now, the way that we're able to do Local and state level work, but still haven't had, but still have national impact. Y'all, first of all, I need y'all to know the fact that I'm saying what I'm saying publicly like this is ridiculous. I just wanted to say that.
1: Why you <laughs> say I'm that, say brother me? Joe?
8: Because brother Sean. We, we should we have heard this before, and not only should we have heard this before, this is what we
16: should have been doing. And but but I'm. The thing about I'm gonna say, it, we have heard it before, and it never happened.
8: But it's oh, I Here, so I'm going question. Let me just finish. Let me just finish yeah, the question. Go ahead. Sorry. So, so at, the, at, the sta- at the state level. Wait a minute, you know, uh,
5: I wanted to be clear to both of you. One, we have heard it before, right? And two, the point that you made, which is the point I think the caller is missing, we haven't been bold enough. So that's why it doesn't exist right now. And mm-hmm. what you call is, is that when, and you said it, Succinctly, when we become bold enough to be self-governing, then we won't have to worry about all those other things, whether it's a piece of paper under Congress or whether the laws about registering as a political party, because we'll be self-governing. But we haven't been bold enough. We might have been doing things, but we haven't been bold enough about self-governing. So therefore, what Malcolm said in the '60s, we're still not doing now.
16: Well, when when you say we, that's a broad term. I (laughs) can say I am nonpartisan. So well, I am bold and, enough to make that first step, and, but,
14: but, but when you say, but you got to organize, that, 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 Ralph. But that,
16: that, 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 that don't make sense when yeah. you say we include everybody you, in the madness. Wait, no, wait so a minute, you got, got, to, organize. Enough, you got to, to organize.
14: You
1: got to organize. It can't be an I. You got to organize. You just so, heard Kwame. Uh, to there, wait a minute, wait a minute. People who wait,
16: organize. Certainly it is.
1: Certainly it is. But you can't say I did this. You got to organize.
16: no. What I'm saying is when I hear Richard say we. He's speaking for me, too, and that's not true. I'm, okay. I'm, there are people like me that got out well, of the Well, when Richard
1: is saying the we, to he's... Try to, make, to try to
16: do something different. Well, but when so Rich, that's what I'm saying. When
1: Richard is saying the we, he's saying the, nece- the necessity to organize. Am I, am I right, or am I saying something that he you're like... I mean, I mean, yes, what well,
16: people... Is no, made. he said bold enough to do something. And bold think, enough well, means getting out of that I party. Th- I think getting I off.
8: Think that I think what's being said is that for me, even when I say we, of course, I may be doing my best to make sure that our people, all of our people are on board, but when we use the term we, or when I use the term we, I can only speak for myself, sometimes I'm speaking about things that I personally am doing, but others are not and if you want to move fast you move by yourself and if you want to go far you move with the masses and so in this particular example i feel like the we is not necessarily isolating us or in um or or saying that us on the us on this call and on the show are not doing um what we need to do i think it just means our village may not be with us in some of those things, which is the reason why our success may be limited. Um, and the way that I wanted to end answering that question was, we have the ability to develop our own parties without ever having to register uh, that party and moving about in those ways. It just requires great mobilization, great organization and great unity. Great cultural understanding and competency for us to get each other's language because we may be speaking from different cultural bases. We may have, you know, our bonnets, our slang might be different, our dialects might be different, but if our mission is the same, if we have organizational infrastructure to do so, then we can make those things happen. Um, it's just, it is about the boldness. It is about the boldness. And, and for me, being 27 years old, uh, speaking to folks about much of what I know, it's brand new to them. Let's brand it to them. And then when I speak to elders about it, they just listen to me and they look at me like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to wait for you to build that up because I didn't try that when I was your age, and this is where I'm at. I'm waiting on you to figure it out." So that's just currently where I am. All
16: right, well keep doing what you're doing, brother. I want to encourage you, man. It's just that you know a lot of times we hear the same thing over and over. And uh, but I want to encourage you because, like you said, you're 27 years old. Man, I take my hat off to you, brother. You know what I mean? So uh, keep doing what you're doing. I, I'm just talking about me and how frustrated I have been since my 20s. All you're right. Good. So, um, Understood. All right. <laughs> all right <then. laughs> Thanks. All right. You. Have a good evening. Thanks son. for your to bro. you, brother. Hey, <laughs> right, love to you too, man.
1: Yeah, before we go to the next call, uh, Brother Sean, you know, uh, the frustration is understandable. And I, I understand it. You know, me and Rich have been doing this program, and we hear it from our people. Uh, they're frustrated with the, uh, some of our people's attitudes. They're frustrated with uh, the elected officials that are uh, supposed to be the leadership. They're supposed to give vision and, and, and hope to the people, and they're leading them down a blind, uh, down a blind alley or a dead-end alley. Uh, you're frustrated with the, uh, some of the attitudes of, of, of people with no understanding. That's that's wreaking havoc in these communities. Uh, you know, this whole situation that we find ourselves in as a people is a toxic mix. Uh, you know, it, this system is 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 toxic for our people. We got to do something. We got to organize to free our people's mind, mindset, and peoplehood, so we can go in another direction. Because this whole, what we're involved in is not good for us. I mean, we see this stuff uh, spilling over, and I don't want to take it in another direction, but I'm just throwing this in before we go to another call. We see this stuff spilled over in our communities. This violence is off the hook. But we got to realize, because people talk about this stuff like it's isolated, that it's only in the black community. And if you let the media uh, 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 put their spin on it, all this violence is just going on in your communities. But this nation was created in violence and genocide and, and some of the worst things that ever happened to, in humankind. This nation was created. So it's only understandable that this stuff would still be going on. It just so happens that we're involved in this foolishness now, and we've got to free ourselves from this and come up with strategies to do it. I'm just throwing it out there before we go to the next call. and In fact, we'll go to the next call. 215-215. You're there?
7: Yeah, hey brother Elliot, how you doing? How are you, sir? Fine. Hey brother Richard. And hey, <laughs> br- hey brother Rashad, how you doing, good brother? All is well. All is well. How oh, are I you? praise. I'm doing fine. I praise to Allah. You know, the last caller, brother Ralph, like like brother Elliot said, uh, brother Rashad, I understand his frustration. Because see, when you look, and I'm and I'm me myself, I'm down with reparations, and I believe we can get it. But see, the see the, the problem, and I understand the frustration in people like brother Ralph. Because see. His frustration with this black leadership because, like he said, when, when Brother Elliot played the clip a few minutes ago, with Brother Malcolm saying, "You put the Democrats first, they put us last." See, 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 black folks been sold a, a, a bad bill of goods because they constantly, you know, ask us to put the Democrat Party blindly without any getting anything in return. You know, we vote for these people and they constantly kick us up the behind. Like for example, you always heard of these black Democrats nat- on the national level. They always saying about how the, the, the Trump and and and, uh, and Reagan and Bush and and all the rest of them devils is our enemies, which they are. But then, but then you see clearly when 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 everything hits the fan, of brother Rashad, these white Republicans and these white Democrats, they're not really enemies in the sense of the word, like bitter enemies. They have political. Maybe political differences, but you see, when they leave office, these people are friends with each other. You know what I mean? They go out to dinner together. You see, look at look at Bush, the the, the first Bush. After he left office, him and Clinton was but the best of friends. They went to Haiti and robbed and explored Haiti together. They they had dinner at each other homes up in Maine and and uh and, and upstate New York, where Clinton had a home up in upstate New York. So these white devils ain't no enemies of each other for real. They they, they play that game yeah. with us, and we can. And, and you know what I mean, brother Rashad. We get caught up in the thing about their enemies, and, and we get and we keep floating blindly, like brother Ralph said, for a party that we don't that we get nothing in return. Like my, we put them first, they put us last. You know what I mean? And see, what makes it so disheartening for people like brother Ralph and others, brother Rashad, when you look at Negroes like Jim Clyburn and and Hakeem Jeffries, these Negroes have made it clear they're against reparations. So, so you already expect the, the the white man on the on the Republican side and the white man and the white woman on the Democrat side to be against it. When you got Negroes that look like you pushing the Democrat Party down your throat, but yet they had the audacity to be against reparations. And Jim Clyburn, he gave us Joe Biden. He 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 pleaded and begged and and went out there and and, and sold his soul to the devil to help Joe Biden get elected. And what has that did for black people? You know what I mean? So this is where the discouragement, this is where um, the discouragement, you know, discouragement come at for our people when you see that kind of stuff played over and over again. And see, too many of our people, we're not politically astute. We keep on listening to these sorry Negroes on the city, because I live here in Philadelphia, brother Rashad, on the city, state, and federal level. Keep these, all these negroes do is, is tell us to vote for the Democrat Party and support these people, no matter what. And they can constantly kick out people in the behind and stuff like that. And, and the whole answer is that. We know when, when, when you call them out, well, it's the it's the racist white Republicans, and I say, so, so so what else is new? Both of them devils, racist, Trump a bigot, and so is Biden. All right, none of them devils ain't no damn good, but we keep on playing that game instead of instead of demanding something for our vote and stuff like that, like a like a contract type thing. We vote for these people blindly and continue to get kicked up the behind them, and this and this happens over and over again on the city, state, and federal level. Black folks, we say here in Philadelphia, brother we got a predominantly black. City Council of all mainly all Democrats except for a couple of Republicans and, and and look at our schools here in the city of Philadelphia it's a disgrace all them niggas been in office got black city council president we would had black police commissioners and these white devil cops still out of control still murdering and brutalizing our people you know you got uh, you. Know- Black fire uh, uh, chiefs and everything in this city, you know, and our people still at the bottom rung, you know, and 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 we as a collective, brother Rashad, I say this with all due candor, if we as a people don't start holding these negroes accountable, or at least at the very least kick them to the curb and do what we have to do for self-determination, we are on our way to being a permanent underclass in this country. I mean, it's just the harsh reality, man. I'll be dead. I'm 60 years old, brother. I'll be dead and gone. Maybe 50 years without whatever the time I have on this earth, and 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 you as a young man be still living, you probably be a father, maybe grandfather yourself, and you'll see how people still going through this stuff. We be a we be a permanent underclass, and we don't start bypassing these sorry ass Negroes and doing what we have to do because I'm telling you, man, the stakes is high, brother Rashad. I can't make that clear enough. The stakes is high, man. You know we you know you ever notice everything negative is. They, it's it's on black people, you know we were the lowest when it come to uh wealth, you know families them income growth of eight to one over black people we 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 we're at the bottom alone when it come to education, poor school, and poor diets. Obesity—we number, number one when it comes to obesity and hypertension, all the things that's negative. We, we you know we at the top when it comes to stuff like wealth building and stuff like that. We are at the bottom. You know I mean? And, and that's no accident. That's no coincidence there, and it's because this sorry-ass black leadership that has constantly sold out people out over the years, and they continue doing it. See, them see, got some Negroes, brother Rashawn, and we need to be clear on that. They don't want it. they don't want the white man's foot off their ass, off their behind. They comfortable with that white man's foot up their behind as long as they're comfortable in their oppression, and that's some of these Negroes well, they don't wanna be free. They comfortable that white man foot up there behind, as long as they can watch their football game or and and, 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 and nearly foot with white folks, eat and drink with them, and and party and, and and make sweet nothings with them and stuff, they're okay with it. As long as they're done with their families living good, they could give a damn that the mass of the black folks is catching hell out here, living below the line. That's the reality, man. And and if and we face that fact and start Bypassing these Negroes, we're going to continue to face the uphill struggle, and it's going to be discouraging for some of our people, man. And, again, we're on the verge of becoming a permanent underclass if we don't start taking this stuff to the direction that it needs to be taken to. And That's the bottom line, you know.
1: The, 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 thanks for your contribution. Did you have a question thanks. or something you wanted to uh, No, that,
7: that was just one of big, I just wanted to make, I just encourage Brother Rashad. He's a young brother, 27, and he's the future, man. I, and I encourage the brother, don't let these niggas discourage you because we got a war. Because like I can say, you, you're the type of Brother Rashad that can carry out people across the finish line. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, young boys that call me an OG, you're a young brother and stuff. You got the, you fruit your future head of you and stuff like that, and you can take us across the finish line. And don't let these sorry, handkerchief head, boot politicians like the Jim Claiborne, the Dwight Evans types of the world, Hakeem Jeffries, you know, discourage you because they're going to be out there as the buffers for the white man. That's why it's so hard to take this white man down because you got these handkerchief Negroes the buffers for the white man, and, and they both in the Republican and Democrat party. You got the Tim Scotts of the world and stuff like that. Then the Democrat side, you got the Clybourns of the world. So, 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 a brother, like you, Rashad, you can take us across the finish line. I just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing, Lead, keep leading this fight, brother, because you're not out there by yourself. You got like minded people out there with you, brother. That's all I'm going to say in closing.
1: Got it. Received. I appreciate it.
7: Thanks. You're for your, welcome.
1: Thanks for your contribution, brother.
7: You're welcome, brother Ellen, brother Richard.
1: Let's go to six hundred two, six hundred two. Yes, good brothers. Greetings. How are you Good evening.
15: I'm doing all right, good brothers. Brother Marcus here. And I want to commend your guests. I want to commend that young man for taking a stand, you know? Because what we have to remember, you know, our struggle is a multifaceted struggle. See so the young man take that route and he said this is my contribution you see so i commend you young man keep on keeping on it's it's you're not gonna get a pat on your back from our people because our people's head is somewhere else right now you know it's, it's, it's psychological we have two major problems as a race psychological problems and economical problems and we have to solve them simultaneously but we can't do it you know we're not again as I said you know sometimes we underestimate ourselves. you know <laughs> we underestimate yourself confidence the lack of confidence whatever Marcus Garvey said he said if you have no confidence you are twice defeated in the race of life. But with confidence, you have won even before you even start. So we have to just get the confidence. We have to address our psychological problem, because that is, as, as Brother Ellie had said, it is creating a lack of... and we have to figure out a way to, to solve this problem, because these young people out here just going crazy shooting, booking, you know what I'm saying? You know, in Memphis is off the chain, I'm telling you. So I know in Philly because it's the same problem we have. It's the same condition. The same psychological problem that we have, you know, that create these problems. Another thing, terms. We got to figure out how to use the terms. Because Tom is, that's what Tom do. Tom, term, Tom's. So he's in for them. We have to figure out how can we get him to Tom for us. <laughs> we have to have something in the background. Say, hey, Tom, uh, you know, Say, look, we have to figure that out. Because these people here, they do things because there is no repercussion. So they just do anything. Sell out your race and go, eh, what the hell. But again, young man and the, the lady, and I guess I was supposed to, I commend you. Keep on keeping up because we need that. We need some economical and, 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 and restitution. And, and a restitution too, but we need some economic restitution from these people, the church. The government, everybody exploits black people. I want to tell you, I have, and then I'll sign off. You know, I had the opportunity to work with some Arab people, right? I working in a place with some Arab people, That's not working really, just sitting you know, there. And I see how these people operate. And I say, how the hell we manage to make these people here dominate us? When I really sit here and watch these people operate, you know, you have to do better. And I really don't know if it's leadership. We may have to take drivership. We have to push them in a different direction. Anyway, good brothers, keep on keeping on. Thank you
1: very much. Thank you for your contribution. I appreciate it. Brother Sean, um, before you know what, let me take a, another small break, and when we come back, it's another call on hold, and then uh, we'll kind of uh, take things, uh, start uh, going, uh, taking it down a little bit. We're going to take another brief break. Uh, get in while you can, and talk with our guest, uh, male co-chair, uh, activist organizer, male co-chair of... Uh, and Cobra, Philadelphia chapter. Brother Rashawn Williams is with us this evening. You can get involved while he's still here by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back.
0: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured
12: underwriter. Serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. ibb2me.com, 2 bb2me.tv, metvcom ibb2me.store are here for you. You are ready to be free to join your global Commit to You Black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You Black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation.
17: know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said, "Responsibility. Is it is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have." to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you.
9: A message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock. Nobody takes the black man serious. We are just used to be somebody's tool. We are the sportsmen, we're the singers and the dancers, and we're also labelled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you.
0: We are the watchmen on the wall. You are too. You watch with a political eye. We watch from a spiritual eye, but we're supposed to be the watchmen for the people that vote for us. The sad thing is the people vote but they don't give you the money to run your campaigns. So here comes big business. How are you? How are you, Judge? How are you, (laughs) Alderman? How are you, Congressman? How are you? How are you, Reverend? (laughs) What can I do for you today, Reverend? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we got to be careful of. We got to be careful of who we bow down to. You see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus, that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us yeah.
10: time for an awakening is a proud part of the black talk radio network the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening is 815. It is Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest activist, organizer, and joint leader of Vancouver, Philadelphia. The male co-chair is with us this evening. Brother Rashawn Williams is with us in conversation. You can get involved while we're still here by Down 215 490 nine98 thirty two that's two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. Uh Richard, before I go back to comments from you, let me uh, we got uh, two more calls on the line. Let me go to two one five two one five. Yes, hello. Uh good evening to uh, you
18: and uh, brother Richard. Okay. Um I I listen, you know, all the time and everything and I hear a lot of great ideas. Um things get that could, uh, you know, move us forward as people, not just in this time, but for the upcoming generations, we had a lot of great ideas and great plans. Um, and, you know, I heard <clears throat> Ralph a few calls ago mention about, you know, leaving the, uh, democratic party, leaving the Republican parties. And I think that's a great idea, but, I don't think we can ever really leave these parties just totally. And the reason why I say that is because the only way we can really move ourselves forward and really start to make progress for the masses of our people is we have to really think strategically. And maybe in some ways we have to look at maybe, what some of the things that have been done to us use some of those things, and I'll use this as an example. The program COINTELPRO was set up for any of the black nationalists, uh, black civil rights groups. Um, it was set up so. The government can handpick certain blacks to infiltrate those organizations. And it was basically, they just needed spies. They just needed people to keep their eyes on what was going on, what was being talked about, what was being planned, and then come back and tell them. So if we were to use a con- a similar concept to set up our own COINTELPRO, that means that while we're starting our own grassroots political parties, we still have a few people in these, in these organizations, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, people that we appoint to be in these organizations to keep an eye on, not necessarily white folks, but to keep an eye on, well, everyone. The Blacks and the Whites is in these organizations, this planning, future uh, 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 guidelines, laws, and things like that they're gonna, that are gonna work against our people, have our own people in those organizations that can keep an eye on those, those things that are going on and those people that are working against us. Um, that's just an example there could be other examples and everything, but that we, we need our own version of a pro because when I think about it, white folks know, especially the ones that are in power. I ain't talking about just the average white guy that's a plumber or something like that. Well, white folks that are in power know and they have known for generations just how dangerous we are as people. When that COINTELPRO was originally set up, it was a fear that uh, 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 these, um, uh, the government and, and a lot of these white politicians, had. it was a fear they saw what was uh, uh, things that was going on publicly in some of the Black civil rights organizations, Black nationalist organizations, And a fear overcame them. And they said, listen, we can never, never, never let these people start making progress. We need to come up with our own plan. So they knew that, well, we can handpick certain blacks, certain ones that we know will be turncoats against their own people. And They would have never been able, white folks as a whole, would have never been able to do the things that they've done to us over the decades without the help of some of our own folks. They know that they they needed some of our own people to kind of like work against us, kind of like to be their teammates, to work against us. But we need our own version of these, uh, of, of programs like that. Because while we're making progress doing things that we need to do, we still need to be able to keep an eye on our enemy, on our oppressor. We can never, because if you think about it, that's exactly what they've done to us. Yeah. They've, went on carrying on about their business and everything. They've been doing that for for generations, decades, and everything. But they've never taken their eye off of what we were doing. They've never taken their eye off off uh, off of us. And they never will. Because they know that if they ever take their eye off of us and leave us alone, that it'll be curtains for them. The show will be over for them. But I, I wanted to you know mention that and maybe get a little, you know, you know, get your <clears throat> get your opinion on an idea and a concept like that,
5: brother Sean.
8: I think that is. Uh, first of all, you're not going to get everybody out out of the Democratic or Republican Party anyway. That's one. Second, to actually do so with intention, I'm not opposed to that. Um, I'm not opposed to that because the fact of the matter is that you may have folks who are for their people and their peoplehood, but agree with some particular Democratic or Republican ideas, Republican ideas, and or have friendships, allegiance, uh, relationships with folks that are in the party where it makes sense for them to be a part of that party, but Still avid believers and, and mobilizers for their peoplehood, um, that's the second thing to that. And the third thing is that just just on the principle of the political strategy and doing what's best for your people, that may actually be um, not just a valid statement, but a valid approach to making sure all, all of your bases are covered. Um, mm-hmm. But I say, I say still, even to the extent that for my own integrity um, and those who may share the same ideas of folks as me, it may be a really challenging for folks to navigate some of those spaces and um, breathe on schedule or, or uh, be in control of their breath and not be too nervous or too anxious because of how much they disagree or don't believe. Some of the things that's going on behind the scenes there are still absolutely ways that we can make sure that the legislature comports with our demands to know what they're speaking to because all of this information should be public in the first place uh, outside of what they may be doing in their private affairs um, um there's a way that we can hold the legislature accountable to disclosing or making sure information stays readily available for the public to engage. Um, Just to add to the point of informational accountability, which is really what I hear uh, you saying, brother. I, 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 I like to listen, consider, really comprehend and critically
5: think about
8: what we suggest as a people for our peoplehood and do my best to make sure that it makes sense. And anybody who wants to rock and roll, i make sure they can do so. Mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. that difference, that different insight too. Yeah. Well,
18: thank you. Thank you. I, you know, like I said, you know, it's you know, when I was thinking, I said, you know, a lot of our, you know, a lot of the things that we've attempted to do over the years, we would have, we would have made a lot uh, the progress that we would have made, we would have been, you know have advanced a lot more. but we've had some of our own people were working against us, you know like trying to put a car and drive, but you got somebody that's keeps throwing the gear and park or in reverse. you know the car can't. the car can't move the way it's supposed to, at least move forward. So we've had people working against us trying to constantly throw that car in reverse, throw it in park and everything, and that's impeded our progress. I mean, it's impeded our progress immensely and everything. Um, But like I said, you know, a a minute or two ago, that the people that have been oppressing our folks um, since we've been here, they know that they needed the help. You know, when when a lot of our when our folks had, our forefathers and foremothers had jackals and chains around their necks and ankles and everything, you know, back during that time, you know, they called them uh, house niggas, you know, but it, the concept is the same for what we're dealing with now, you know, but you know, I just wanted to uh, add that in there and, um, you know, like I said, just to see, you know, see what some of you brothers thought about that. But, uh, you know, thank you for taking my call. I ain't going to take up much of your time. I know it's getting late and everything. You
1: brothers, have a good evening. Thanks for your contribution. Uh, Brother Richard, uh, we got another call. Before we go to another call, uh, you you had something you want to uh, mention also, uh, bring out again.
5: Well, I want to um i want to say um Sean, that um I, I really like that pre- i'm calling it a preposition are we bold enough i mean i think that that's you know that's like critical um from what i understand that you're driving forces um because you know that's that's one thing i think that i think that that as a principle operational principle that you're you know, your your viewing your analysis from is um is critical as as you move forward, you and the co-chair move forward, um, Brianna move forward and in dealing with um organizing um in in this environment. Um and I'll so I won't be you know just talking like you don't know And, and and what you express Um, I'm really, really, really resonate with and I think that and I've always resonated um, from the point of being at that, quote unquote, since the age thing came up at the age that you're uh, speaking of, uh, that you are. And that is the point of and it ties to this. Are we bold enough to self-govern? To me, all that other stuff that we uh, the challenges that we have um i haven't seen in philadelphia amongst black philadelphians that we have um said that not that we want to self-govern and that if i understood and you can correct me if i'm wrong is that's the perspective that you're coming from
8: i ain't got no qualms with telling somebody i want to govern myself
5: and and that's 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 a position that um we uh, we have that is difficult and it gets mixed up um in our communication as um propagandists or as organizers because um where the conversations the 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 identifying the challenges um seems to always go back to the position of the governing mechanism compared to uh, exploring Um, dealing with the contradictions personally and as a group of our ability or inability at that moment for self-governance, like what was, why haven't, and it isn't just um, individuals um, who are preventing, we know we're in a system that doesn't want that. So um, I'm going to ask this as a question, you know, in relationship to being an organizer, Um, and I have really have too, but I just said, how, how far back in history should you look to take lessons to assist you in moving forward as an organizer towards that objective of self-governance? As far back as I can see.
14: Mm.
1: (laughs) Richard, hold, hold, hold that other question. Let me go to, uh, Call six four six in New York. Six four six. Yeah, what's happening, um, Brother Elliot, um, and to your guests and Richard.
19: Um, let me let me ask your guests this right here. Do you ever think that we as a people have to change our perception and way you are thinking in regards to this whole reparations situation, because it seems like we've been going forward and addressing this reparation thing for many, many years. And to be honest, the goalpost hasn't changed unless the so-called politicians need something from you in return. Because if you notice, the upswing in the talk of reparations wasn't until they needed to, as one would say, get the Negro to come out and vote. So don't you think that based on what happened with the so-called ADOS, BO1ers, and, and COBRA and the rest of these, um, reparation organizations. Isn't it time that we need to maybe change up with a new way of going forward with this? Because in all honesty, number one, white man ain't going to give us no reparations because we in no position to demand reparations or take reparations. Number two, it's not in his interest to give us reparation other than what he wants to do. What Kaltheimer talked about and Buchanan talked about years ago, giving black folks a couple of dollars and tell them, don't ask me for nothing ever again, because I done gave your black ass something and um, you got it. You didn't do nothing with it. And, we finish with y'all. You know what I mean? Now, I me, mean, if I'm sitting in the cut and I'm putting it into its perspective, I kind of agree with them. I would give, I would give black folks something because I know they just go give it right back to us. You know, if I was a white person and I was thinking, and then just move forward and tell them, no, you ain't getting nothing no more. We don't want to discuss it. In case closed. So my thinking is at this point in time, we need to figure out ways how to bring ourselves into some form of sovereignty and build institutions for ourselves. Because if the truth be told, white people using their, their interests and their value for us anyway, because they got so many other ethnic groups that are willing to do the services and to be honest with you are in a far better position of serving the white man than black people are, you know. So, I mean, if you have these organizations and Cobra and all of them want reparations and all of that, why don't y'all come together collectively and start talking about pulling your resources, buying some land. Setting up places where those who are like-minded can come and live, develop, and then go to the government and say to the government, well, this is what we have. This is what we're asking for as a form of reparations. And, you know, that may be more beneficial than thinking that this white man going to give you something and you ain't in no position to benefit from it in all honesty other than to serve them by giving it right back to them. Because we got to change our thinking, brother, in regards to how we as a people are going to move forward, because the manner in which we're thinking now, we ain't moving forward. But I tell you this much, every other ethnic group in this country is moving forward. And when you look at it, and if we be honest and look ourselves in the mirror, only ethnic group in this country worse off than us is the Native Americans, if the truth be
1: told. Uh, was uh, did you have a question for? Uh,
19: yeah, my I, my, my question my question to him was, what are we going to do in regards to thinking about dealing with this whole reparation situation in a different way? Cause it ain't yeah. Working.
8: yeah, I mean, um, some of the point that was made earlier is about doing the necessary legal notices and, and lawful actions of operating your own ecosystems, your own jurisdictions, your own currencies, your own instruments, your own education systems, your own... Um, the reason why, so the reason why I mentioned utilizing your own instruments and currencies is because that's how you can do your own money. And us using, um, U.S. dollars, we gotta pay taxes on those dollars. But if we use crypto, I don't really like crypto. And that's a discussion for a whole different day. But if we use crypto, then it may be some tax implications where we don't have to pay taxes, where we can have our own uh, affairs not be subject to the jurisdiction of the, of the IRS. That's one form of like self determination. Um, another form of self determination is to put out a, a lawful notice and a legal notice to uh, a county or a state to say that not only am I going to take this property that is my own and claim its allodial title for me to not have to pay taxes on it, I'm going to do the necessary things for me to be self-determined as far as produce, this, that, and the third. These are things where you could actually say to folks, say to a legislature that you're gonna do these things. Um, now, when it comes to things that have been taken from you, like land that's been taken from you or labor that's been taken from you, you gotta have a you know an accurate record. You gotta be able to um, uh, petition courts if necessary and engage international law and the reason why international law of our international relations are particularly important is because who's going to be the jury of our peers in an international courtroom is it going to be france and spain or is it going to be islands of the caribbean uh, afro-brazilian population so i just wanted to add to the point of not only do we do not only do we need to be self-determined in these practical ways that i'm laying out We do need to be Pan-African and Pan-African-Americans because we are on this hemisphere, we're in the Americas. uh, So that when we're having these international conversations and having the eyes of all nations on our affairs, our nations, our diasporic nations have some political clout, power and vantage to be able to make sure Law works in our favor, and we need to be able to do the same for our brothers and sisters in the diaspora. So these are the things that we can practically do to Richard's reiteration. Are we bold enough? Do we have the courage to actually do it?
19: Well, the white man, the white man laws, if we got to be honest about it, is as selective as they come and it doesn't work for us as a people unless they wish for it to work for us, aka what's going on right now with the so-called Civil Rights Act of allowing us to have the right to vote. That that right there is fundamentally shows you how they how that game goes. But I will I will say this. If we and it's only gonna take a small group of us because the majority of our people are as jerome fox says, addicted to white they they don't want to leave massco i mean let's let's keep it one hundred we don't we really don't even need to play the game. Most black folks want to enjoy the luxuries of whiteness, you know what I mean, or try to curry the favor of whiteness and being a part of whiteness but what what really needs to happen is. It needs to be a collect a collective group of I'll say maybe a hundred people that need to come together economically, go somewhere, build up a territory, govern itself, put themselves in a position to where as they're economically stable, not only for their families but for the community and then move forward. It's like saying putting together a hundred people. The main source of the responsibility in group is, let's say, doing something like cybersecurity, and then use that as corporation or whatever the means are to be able to govern oneself, to be a part of the system economically, and from there build forward, like you saying. Farming, being able to sustain themselves and other members within the group be able to do the necessary practical things to to govern oneself that's what needs to be as far as I'm concerned, the foundation to starting us to move forward because if that could be cons- become successful, then what that could be used as an example for others to be able to do. And and, and to me, that's the only way we're going to build as far as community and ourselves as, as the people. Because if we be honest, and I think, brother, if you sit back and you think about it and you look at it, tell me, you're from Philadelphia, right? Yes, tell sir. me where we have a sustainable community like other ethnic groups do. Black community where other ethnic groups do, where we control basically every atmosphere within that community like other communities do. So we're talking about the grocery store. We're talking about the school. We're talking about the laundromat. We're talking about the cleaners. We're talking about every aspect where you serve the community. Maybe one black place like that.
5: They get over! I can't yeah. get over this defeat. You know, we, this well, you know
1: what? Let, let me let me say this, and then I'm. I'm a, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Please,
5: please.
1: Um, see, <clears throat> what you're saying is true, but we got to realize that one of the strategies to deal with that is us developing and and Rashawn is a perfect example of that young leadership in these communities see we don't have to go anywhere and set up shop right now we're here and this country still exists however long that is i don't know but right now we're here so just like Rashawn was saying earlier in the conversation that we got to start practicing self-governance where you are you don't leave to go nowhere start doing it here Take control of our communities, and see that's where the political end has to be changed, because all these other nationalities—black yeah, people ain't got no money. Black people got money. Black people have money. All these other nationalities come to this country, and where do they set up shop at? Where you mm-hmm. live, they set up shop where you live. And believe me, these nationalities that's coming in these countries ain't coming in here with no money in their pocket. Nobody opens up business out of their money in their pocket. People open up businesses using other people's money. That's how capitalism works. So who who, uh, allows them to have access to capital to set up shop in your neighborhoods? These white banks. Exactly. And they have political help. The political help sometimes, and a lot of times, looks just like you. So they allow all these other nationalities, be it Asian, be a Latino, whoever to come in your community and set up shop. You're not going in their community and set up shop. You're not doing. Yeah, th- wait a minute. Is, Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. You're not doing that. You're not going in their community setting up shop because their political leadership is going to make sure you don't. You can't go in Chinatown. Chinatown is a self governing area in New York, in Philadelphia, in San Francisco, and Chicago. Is self governing. Chinatown, that's a perfect example. It's other examples. You're not going in Chinatown and set up no business. You're not going down there. And you can have money or access to money as a black person. Maybe you go to some other area, probably yours, because you ain't going in white areas and set up no shop. They might let you come into a center city district of a particular city and set up shop if you're politically connected and black. Other than that, you ain't going nowhere else. To set up no shop in your commun- uh, uh, outside your community. If you get money to set up a place in your own community. These other nationalities get it. They get it. So the vehicle there to do what we need to do is right there. We just need organization. Organization from political leadership that we start to cultivate. Because some of these people act like they don't know what time it is. And also the church. The church is a huge vehicle in our area and still is. We have to get the churches to understand that we got to stop patronizing these other businesses. You stop patronizing these businesses, they'll close up shop. They need your money. Black people ain't broke, they ain't stupid. If they was broke, these people wouldn't be, they wouldn't even bother with your community. They take all the money out of your community and it still stays destitute because you don't get the proper help politically. You pay taxes, where's your tax money going? It's going in Center City and other areas. To help white folks, it's going to help their rec centers, their libraries, and yours look like somebody threw a bomb in there because you're not getting the help politically from people that look like you. This can easily be done. It can easily be done. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Two days before King was blown, his head was, before he was shot in his head, he mentioned in Memphis about people stop patronizing all these white businesses. I'm surprised they didn't go in there and shoot uh, 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 King. Then that night, they waited till the next day. They don't. They they don't want no type of talk like that coming out of leadership or or when I say leadership, I'm talking about grassroots leadership or elected leadership. You ain't gonna hear them talking like that. You can take control of these communities in less than a month if black folks wanted to and if they had the proper help to do it. You need help. These other people go in these other neighborhoods, they get help. They ain't doing it on their own. So that's all I'm saying. It's well, not like our people can't get right. You know, you, you, come on. That that, that talk ain't well, true I, at all.
19: I, I, say, I say the system is set up to whereas other ethnic groups could come into my community, like you said, become rich. But, you know... There's also a flip side to it also. They do do one thing. They come into our community, you know, bleed off of us, do the necessary things. But, you know, they go back to their community and take care of their community. Yeah. For some reason, we haven't, we haven't learned that. Now, is it that the system has set it up to where as that couldn't happen? So if that's the case, we have to figure out how we can separate and do something that we don't need the approval of white folks to put ourselves in well, a situation. That's too. what, that's know, what, that's what
1: Brother know, Rashawn was just saying. Go ahead, Brother yeah, Rashawn. So,
8: yeah, so I, I I was saying that, and I think, I think that I'm going to just say this. I think that we get so passionate and so uh, inflamed with the circumstance that we may sometimes miss some of the suggestions or some of the solutions that were said um because i did speak to we did speak to a few times some of the things that we could do but one of the things that i do want to say is that um this is a nuanced issue and so you have a parent or if you have parents that live in a neighborhood or in a community that has experienced all of the intersections or that sit at the intersection of um, the United States war against them when it comes to liquor lining, redlining, gerrymandering, gentrification, the war on drugs, the school to pipeline, I mean, prison, to, uh, uh, school to prison pipelines, um, policing, mass incarceration and overcriminalization. criminalization. Um, false images of who we are in the media, um, the housing degradation and the lack of ownership and the intentional dilapidation of our communities. If you had generations and generations and generations experiencing this, experiencing this over and over again and folks are eventually just figuring out the best way that they can survive, you get a spiritual atrophy to an extent that a lot of parents don't have the willpower to actually continue to fight because they've hmm. seen the fight not be successful anymore. I mean, you got some folks that they still with it, you know, and you got some folks that just have experienced such an atrophy that their engagement has uh, depleted um, and you need folks that are in going to activate and mobilize the community to make up the difference. Now, I'm saying that because a teacher could easily say, yo, look, instead of going to poppy or instead of going to whatever chinese american food whatever we're going to go here instead so before you come to school i gave you the alternative we're about to mob out at this store opposed to this one that there's so many elements to just that statement alone what type of teacher that needs to be whether that teacher would have to do that on the record behind the scenes based on how the school or the school system might look at them in that way. Um, all of these different things make up the possibility for this particular example of children. The reason why I, I said teacher is because a lot of children before they go to school and at the school, go to foreigners, businesses in their communities. That's mm-hmm. a large base of their money and their, and their financial pool, Um uh, I gave this example because it does take this cultural and social and community unity in order for a lot of this to happen. Personally to me, um, I think that it's much, it's definitely way way easier said than done. However, um, uh, to call out some of Philadelphia's politicians because they don't necessarily have this like lens on peoplehood and blackness in this way. Um, I feel that the need for a reparations commission is to help our people be able to navigate Philadelphia in a way where they can engage black businesses with the support of the municipality or legislature, legislators at the county level. Um, Because our business systems have been fragmented so that it is harder for us. To do business with each other, i.e., the Highway Acts. That's a that's a that's a huge example. That's a macro example to one of the micro examples that I'm providing. They create, they built highways through our communities to completely stop us from 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 coalescing economically and culturally <laughs> together all across the nation. Yep. And that's like that was a planned thing. So of course they have plans to make sure, like, all right, let's make sure these families, we get a couple of liquor stores on this corner. We're going to have Pablo and Juan have his corner stores here. We're going to have Lee and such and such on these corner stores here. We're going to make sure that the Arabs can get these like uh, little hookah cigarette candy shops in the, uh, in the gas station. We're going to make sure that the donuts is ran by them. It's an intentional thing.
14: You mm-hmm. know that
8: that's an intentional thing. So at the legislative level, I do think that we do need to have some... Um, of oversight at the legislature because what we're saying is easy in theory and principle but knowing that these folks have whiteboards and databases to make sure that this doesn't happen, it's a lot harder in practice. But it's not like we can't do it. We just we just need to take all of these approaches um, to getting it done.
1: Brother, thank you for your contribution, man.
19: Hey, man, best of luck to the brother and what he's doing man all we can do is move forward man and i think you know that's what we all trying to do oh and lastly brother elliot has um research west now become british with his my lord i'm trying to figure it out
1: yeah okay (laughs) have a good (laughs) evening man
19: have a good night bro.
1: brother Rashawn, uh before Uh, we start winding things down um Uh, You had, uh, within the past couple of weeks, you had a couple of town hall meetings. You had the uh, State of Black Philadelphia gathering uh, where you talked about uh, various subjects. Uh, You also had the, I think the city hosted the uh, uh, making a more case for reparation that you and Sister Brianna spoke at. Um, So things are on the move as far as uh, what you and Sister Brianna wanted to put forth as far as your imprint and stamp on uh the chapter here uh talk about some upcoming things uh uh for the listening audience because some of them is Philadelphia some of the, a lot of folks is in other areas but they can still hear some of the things that you're doing here and plan to do within the coming months and or oh, another yeah. thing because I know that this uh COVID thing and these spikes is kind of stopping um the personal interaction, but. Uh, just talk about some of the things that you have as far as, uh, you know, the upcoming months and plans. Yeah, you know, um, I'm I'm not going to do that for two
8: reasons. Okay. One, because I don't know. <laughs> <Just> straight <laughs> up, I don't know. And two, because this is not a show. This is not a show. This is not – you're not turning on the TV to watch Black Power for an hour. Okay. That's not what it is. So I'm not – Then that's not to you. That's actually to – there's no disrespect. All of the callers just wish me luck. The callers did say, I'm waiting to hear what's up for me to get active. And that's an issue. As a 27-year-old, I'm going to just say this, speaking on behalf of the generation and myself. This yes! Isn't a, yes! This isn't a, yes! This isn't a wish you luck. I, I'm going to pray for you, brother. It's not one of those things. It's <laughs> actually like a, all right, cool. Let me know what I need to do so I can get active where I am. Um, this is not one of those things, and, you, you know, I, y'all can call me in next week. Somebody want to argue with me. That's cool. It's not one of those things where I'm going to call, say my opinion and vent, get my breath across, and then go back to my regularly scheduled life programming. Okay. This is actually this is actually one of those things that is supposed to be a. what you said is true. So what do I need to go home and look up and research in order for me to da-da-da-da-da? Um so uh to answer the question, we're doing a lot. It'll be very difficult for me to say what the actual next thing is because of how many things we have going on. I will say we do have a reparations awareness day that's gonna take place on the twenty fifth of February. Where that where that's happening, uh I'm not sure whether that that's gonna be strictly online or at a physical location. That's number one. And okay. number two is that um what I would honestly like the next step to be is folks coming together and choosing to figure out which ways they're going to develop their own systems of uh, instruments, currencies, trade, culture, ritual, tradition, education, suits, notices, and action for them to take a hold of their communities the way that they know and they see fit. Um, and that's not something that is just gonna come from one person. I think we've also had a, a issue of like black people love leaders. We love leaders. Oh man. Like, we love leaders. That's cool. I get it. You know, I completely get that. Um, we also got to do the work and we also have to, have to activate our self-determined intelligence to know how to lead ourselves too. And most of the work at this point, since so many of us want to be so independent and hold on to our identities, especially young people, most people want to lead themselves. That's why we see so many businesses getting started. That's why we see so many individual social media pages blowing up, because most people want to be self-determined in that way and independent in that way want to be their own bosses and want to be um, self-made. So we got kind of this like conflicting identity around having a leader and leading ourselves. I'm saying that to say that based on the things that we said, I would love for it to be some more dialogue where we can come together and figure out how to do what we know we need to do. Um, and then you'll be asking the people what's next because they'll know.
1: Brother Sean, listen, uh, we, we talked in private conversation and I'll say it publicly that, uh, anything that you need, you can reach out to me, um, uh, even if it's, uh, this vehicle here, you can have the keys and be able to utilize it. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some things that, that, that I could do. You know, I, I'll, I'm always willing to help. Um, yeah, I, and you had conversation with Richard, so I know he, he already told you some things that, uh, you know, but, um, I understand that, uh, you know, the, the challenges that, uh, that we face as a people. Uh, the individual challenges of trying to run an organization I have no idea in reference to, but I know it's 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 huge, and uh you can't do it alone you as you and sister brianna but uh you do have help uh some of the elders that uh, that passed the baton to you are there to help you uh brother Ari, Brother Osasi, and others uh but anything that I can do uh you just call on me and I, and I'm there, you know anything. And uh, I'll be touching base with you anytime. So, uh, uh, you know, Bridget.
5: Yes, that's. I'll I just echo the same. I uh, I don't even know. What, I don't know what. Uh, I'll say this. Um, I like the perspective from. And 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 you hear me talk about. Uh, you keep raising the question of organization. I'm centering y'all in the organization, not you as the individual. Now you have put on this suit of armor. And, and, and which is to magnify, and I hope others understand that, which gives you more um, muscle compared to being an individual, you know, and that's what Kwame was saying. We, we identify leadership direction on our ability to organize in the organization. So I appreciate that you are are, are providing the, the, your your vision, your strategic vision and tactical moves within this organization. And I'll, you know, um, echo the same thing um, about the support. Um, although, not although, I just want to offer, as I hear I hear it all the time. We, maybe I, have a challenge of making a distinction between being governed and self-governed. Just in, just in casual, informal conversations and and I, and I see even tonight you were able to make that distinction but as we run into people that really these levels of when you're talking the things that you're presenting that we can do comes from the perspective of self-governance and for some reason the reason why people will say I wish you well because they can't see and I and I hopefully I'm not um, insulting anybody or whatever, uh how we create mutual agreement with each other, even casually from the perspective of self-governance compared to saying, I'm sending on you on your way, which means that you go and, and maybe, or on the other side, this system is uh, affecting you from you getting where you want to go. I don't know why. I just don't hear the depth and the dimensions, the challenges and the possibilities, from the perspective of self-governance, um, unless there's a crisis, an emotional crisis, that we're put into. And and I just I just um, you know said all that just to say, um, you know I'm there to provide whatever support, and I'm looking forward to the challenge that you put on me as you know just being one who's looking for um leadership um so that we can be able to accomplish this um objective if not now later not when just later thank you
8: thank you all thank you all you know um i'll say this in in my last statement is that one where we are intellectuals and activists and nationalists and all that okay we love black we love the idea of having at least if not our own nation this nation respect our peoplehood and that's us that's what we've been spiritually called to and that's not the same for everybody and i don't want us to think that this is everybody's mission who may share the same skin complexion as us and i'm not saying that we do but i'm just saying that so that we understand we at the front of our mind and there may be some folks that's just like look i'm good and I'm, I'm not good because it's just safer for me emotionally I mean, i'm just good because my brain don't even think that way i haven't been raised on some of these principles that y'all been raised on is that and then there's understanding that self-government Self governance really means discipline. I was just having this conversation with somebody earlier today because it's not like it's going to be all peaches and cream. It really means discipline. It means fortitude. It means focus. It means being rooted, grounded, and centered and still in your decisions. It means a relationship with the Most High. It means all of these things because when you are self determined and self governed, that means that you are autonomous. You are responsible for the decisions that you make and the actions that you put out the consequences to those actions. You are accountable to those things. And so where we may have the opportunity as not being self-governed to put that responsibility and onus on other things, where if something goes wrong, it's on them. In this particular case, if something goes wrong, it's on us. If something goes right, we the people are the benefit. The people are responsible for when things go right. But when something goes wrong, it's 100% your fault. That's just what leadership means. So if we talk about this, however, I'm saying this to make sure that we understand that there's a level of discipline and groundedness rooted to the most high that we have to have in this journey in order for this success to be granted on the other side.
1: So I appreciate this conversation, <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to many more. Uh, yeah, and, and the next time uh, uh, we have you on, we gotta, we got to have the legal mind join us. Uh, Sister Brianna, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, hope she. Uh, I can't
5: cook, but I still can make soup.
8: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got it. We got we got to pull up on her with the soup and the tea and everything.
1: <laughs> uh, Brother Sean, I'll be talking to you soon. Peace
8: and love, everybody. Thank thanks, you so much.
1: Thanks for your contribution. Bye bye. Richard.
5: Yes, yes.
1: Interesting, interesting conversation. Uh, it gives us a perspective of the leadership here that uh, the baton's been passed to. Uh, his insights and perspectives on where things need to go from his vantage point.
14: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, Rashawn said, how old he was 27. That, that uh, you know, because sometimes we hear. Uh our people get discouraged. Sometimes, you know, we hear it on this program, and you hear it in conversation just in public. Our people are discouraged. We ain't doing nothing. There's nobody out here. You hear it, Richard. But uh on this program, we're going to try to showcase people that's doing things in these communities, whether it's locally, uh nationwide, and sometimes internationally. We're going to showcase our brothers and sisters that are out here working, The only thing left for us to do is to you you heard what brother Rashawn said at the end of his conversation is to join him, to help Mm -hmm. him. So the onus is on us. You know, we can hear these things. We can hear the people and uh, come back next week and hear some more. (laughs) Yeah. Or we can say, you know what? Um, I think I can help so-and-so or I can help this person. Uh, or even if you see a void in your community and you want to start it, it's work out here. It's work. If our people is, is in such a devastated state? And in some cases we are, then there's plenty of areas that we can help and, 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 uh, and make a difference. So I just, uh, want to make good. mention of that. I mean, it was just refreshing to hear yeah. his perspective on things
5: and, uh, and there's, there's a few more in Philly that I uh, I'm I'm impressed because um the context I'm hearing um from and generalizing from millennials I hear that context the context of self-governance the context of defining creating your own governing rules the context of you know I mean I mean constitutional rules the context of creating the tools to to self government and more importantly the the demonstration of the the capacity to understand the challenges and opportunities you know and also not as much but recognizing if we go deeper the threats so that you can be able to um navigate in a tactical mood manner to maintain that strategic I'm, i mean um I, I and i'm hoping that what we can offer is the ability to be able to assist in networking them with each other to help um, show that, to create that critical mass here in Philadelphia. And I'm hoping in, in other places, New York and Chicago and St. Louis and, and Detroit and, you know, Mississippi and Alabama. I mean, that's, and it don't take many, but it takes these organizational entities to create these relationships and that's why I'm looking you know forward to the, the acknowledgement of the 50 years next year with the um, that the convention um or the recognition of the convention coming out of 72 to 72 as just an opportunity where along the way we can be able to say oh you know cr- recreate that networking as we move towards the 22nd um, um, century.
1: Uh, you know, that uh, the idea that um, the the project is in the workings, uh, that brother Rashawn mentioned about the Africa town. Uh, mm-hmm. Richard is something that uh, Brother Saboor, the late Brother Saboor, had mentioned on this program when he was guest some years ago. Right. Uh, and if it's coming to fruition, that's, that's great. Um, I'll, I'll reach out to brother Rashawn because, um, uh, uh, brother Y King, the project that they're doing out there, and you can see that some of the updates that I sent you about, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the, what they're doing, uh, when they were on the program, brother Tommy was on with them. If right. you remember brother Y King came here, right. And then went up to New York to sit with Charles Byron. So mm-hmm. these men, these brothers and sisters that's in other areas of the country are willing to, to come and help. It's not like they're just saying, okay, you, you have added, I got my own project here and you do what you do. In mm-hmm. fact, if, if you remember when my King was on with us, another brother called up, I forgot what Southern state. It was a city down South or something they were doing the same thing. You remember Richard?
5: Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah.
1: Remember the yeah. But, uh,
5: yeah, I know that, um, um, Tommy, um, and sister uh, V, they went down to Mississippi to connect with those uh, in the Jack, you know, the Jackson project. Okay, so the networking is going on. It's going on, yeah. Um, and at some point, and the and the vision—that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, this is the first time in listening, to brother, um, on Rashawn, and and I listen, try to listen, and the vision is the same from the perspective of self-governance. And it ain't no easy job, but um, we all can be able to support. Don't take much. And we can do that, not necessarily with these individuals, but as you said, even just around us, it don't take a lot. It's just identifying. And with this vehicle of Time for Awakening, identifying and and communicating, this is what's going on over here, which will help in that networking process because we can't be everywhere. that makes
1: sense. Yeah. And for him to express that, it shows that he wants, he wants uh, uh, people to be involved with him. Right. Not like he wants to travel that path by himself for him to express openly that, uh, you know, he heard callers and and they encouraged him, but nobody said he would help. Uh, You know, he, he kind of threw me when he said that, Richard.
5: Hey, 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 being real. I I was like, You know, that's, 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 you you can't get no more real than that. Yeah. In this, in this form, and this form provides us the opportunity to be that, you know, um, a more than just a venting session or an um, intellectual exchange session, or, you know, we can be able to use it as a tool, a mechanism of, of, of networking, you know, just by, Informing each other, but also as the other brother implied too, as an intelligence um, instrument also. Because what is intelligence? Just information gathering hmm. and giving people information in order to, so that they can make decisions. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing spooky.
1: <laughs> Before we leave the program this evening, I uh, want to get the lineup for time for the week. Oh, another thing too, because um, I mentioned it uh, last week. Uh, cause the brother mentioned about, uh, he wanted to be able to, uh, donate something to, uh, to, uh, what we're trying to do or what we're doing. Um, uh, and, uh, this, uh, website was being revamped and, uh, some changes are going to be made. So, uh, by next Sunday, all of that will be completed. Um, it's being in the process of being done now, just going to make some changes and hopefully, um, Early next year, to be a couple of new programs coming on, uh, which would be great. Um, so you know, I just want to make mention of that. Some of the things, uh, the changes that we kind of looking forward to. Uh, before we leave this evening, just want to give the lineup uh, that we have presently on time for Awakening Media, uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, eleven a.m. to one p.m. African perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics, guests, and dialogue. On African Perspectives, that's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on, Monday evening, that same day, from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central, with host Dr. Mouya Kamban and Dr. Kamal Kambine. And after their program, uh, from 9 to 10, Conversation Reparations, that's in Cobra's program, uh, out of Atlanta with host Brother Jamoke. That's uh, first and third Mondays of the month. On Tuesday. From 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time, the Black Farmers Program from 8 to 9. And from 9 to 10, the Black Agenda Project from Laytonville, uh from the islands. Uh, it didn't escape me. Uh, but <laughs> the host is Dr. David Muhammad. Uh always interesting, and it, that program has been going out for a couple of months. But uh if you haven't heard it, please check it out. That's Wednesday from 9 to 10, uh, Black Agenda Project with host Dr. David Muhammad. On Friday's time for an awakening goes back from 8 until, and on Saturday's from 7 to 9, the elders of Sankofa. Check them out. I want to thank everybody for listening to the programs this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.
13: If you're driving children play.